the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is Cornerstone Connection, the radio ministry of Pastor Gary Hamrick of Cornerstone Chapel in Leesburg, Virginia. Pastor Gary is teaching through Matthew. This crowd is excited that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They see him and recognize him as Messiah. They are ascribing unto him messianic titles, quoting right out of Psalm 118, You are the son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's why this is such a tragic scene when you think that in just a few short days, the same people, in effect, are going to be crying out, Crucify. In today's message, Pastor Gary will share with you about a story from the Gospel of Matthew. In this biblical account, Jesus is riding on a donkey into Jerusalem, and there is a crowd shouting at Jesus and calling him the Messiah. Later in the book of Matthew, we see this same crowd asking for Jesus to be crucified. And even though this group of people would turn on Jesus, he still died for them. Even though we might turn our backs on God, if we turn back to Him, He'll still forgive us. At the close of Pastor Gary's message today, I'll be sharing with you how you can get a copy of today's broadcast of Cornerstone Connection. Subscribe to the podcast or get in touch with us. But for now, let's join Pastor Gary in the book of Matthew, chapter 20, with today's edition of Cornerstone Connection. So last week we left off right at the end of uh, Matthew 20, right at verse 29, where um, it's subtitled in my Bible, Two Blind Men Receive Sight. Now, let's get our bearings straight. We are about to approach the final week of uh, Jesus' earthly ministry. In fact, the first 20 chapters of the book of Matthew cover 30 years. But then from chapters 21 to 28, it covers one week. So things are going to slow down. uh, And as we take a look here at the final week of Jesus' life, uh, they are approaching Jerusalem. Now, again, most of Jesus' ministry occurred around the region of the Sea of Galilee. And uh, there were three times a year that every Jewish male was required to go to Jerusalem during different feasts. And one of those feasts was the Feast of Passover. And so Jesus will make his journey from the northern part of Israel around the Sea of Galilee uh, to the uh, southern part of Israel in Jerusalem. But they always refer to it as going up to Jerusalem, not only because it has a higher elevation, but because it's a holy place. And uh, Jesus then with his disciples is traveling down the Jordan Valley. The Jordan River connects the Sea of Galilee with the Dead Sea. And they're going to come here to the city of Jericho. Jericho is just north of the Dead Sea. So they're going to travel down along the Jordan Valley. And then they're going to uh, make a sharp right turn at Jericho up to Jerusalem. 
And the Bible says here at the end of chapter 20 that as they're leaving Jericho, there are two blind men that Jesus is going to heal. Now, Jericho is one of the oldest known cities in the world today. Uh, it is only superseded by Damascus, Syria. Damascus, Syria is the oldest continually occupied city in the world. And Jericho is the oldest city, but there was some time there when it was not occupied. And we'll get to that in our uh, Sunday weekend, Saturday and Sunday weekend studies when we get to uh, Joshua taking the promised land with the Israelites because they're going to take Jer- Jericho. And for a time, it's going to be barren and destroyed. Uh, but this is that Jericho. This is that ancient Jericho. And so we come here to the end of chapter 20. And it tells us here in verse 29 that as Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho, a large crowd followed him. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside, and when they heard that Jesus was going by, they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Jesus stopped and called them. What do you want me to do for you, he asked. Lord, they replied, we want our sight. Jesus had compassion on them and touched their eyes. Immediately they received their sight and followed him. So uh, here we have another of Jesus' miracles. And as he's leaving Jericho up to Jerusalem, these two blind guys uh, cry out for the Lord to heal them. The first time I went to Jericho, actually the only time I've been to Jericho, because we no longer, when we take tours of Israel, we no longer go to Jericho because it's somewhat of a volatile a place to go now. It is uh, exclusively devoted to uh, Palestinian occupation, so uh, that's a city where they primarily live, and they would probably welcome us to come, but uh, it's because we have uh, Israeli Jewish tour guides, and we have uh, Sarel tours on the side of our bus, which means Prince of God. And so we're not really... Um, <laughs> one time we tried to go into um, Bethlehem and quickly had to turn around when we started getting rocks lobbed at us. But anyhow... So the first time I went to Jericho, though, and only time I've been to Jericho, they have the richest, darkest, thickest black coffee you could ever imagine. And so I'm going into the market area, and this guy comes up to me and says, you want some coffee? Coffee? How can Can I serve you coffee? And I looked at the coffee. It was like tar. I mean, you could have stood a spoon up in it. And I said, ah, no thank you. No thanks on the coffee. And he says, how about the hookah pipe? You want to smoke hookah pipe? You smoke hookah pipe with me. First thing I'm thinking is about a thousand Palestinians have been smoking the end of that hookah pipe. I am not going to put my mouth on the end of a hookah pipe. Second of all, I don't smoke anyway. Third of all, there's such a thing called YouTube. There's Pastor Gary smoking a hookah pipe in Jericho. I don't think so. But anyway, find people who live there in Jericho, very hospitable. And this is that Jericho. Now, Jesus is, is leaving Jericho and these two blind guys. Now, I think I've told you this story before, but to show my own just lack of comprehension about some things. When we first moved into this building, we could not afford every furnishing. And one of the things we, we couldn't afford was, was the, the blinds here inside the sanctuary. I remember a time when Marilyn came to my office because finally we could afford to add some furnishings so we could afford to add some blinds to the building. And so Marilyn comes into my office and says, hey, the blind guy is here. I said, what blind guy? She says, the blind guy, you know, he was supposed to come today. And I said, I've totally forgotten. I don't know what blind guy is supposed to come. I mean, is, am I supposed to pray over him, anoint him with oil? What am I supposed to do? She says, no, the guy's supposed to install the blinds. I can never read a story anymore in the Bible about the blind guys which, without thinking about my own ignorance. Okay, so the blind guys. 
These are actually guys who can't see. Now they hear that Jesus is coming. Obviously they can't see him, but they shouted, Lord, son of David, have mercy on us. Now they're ascribing unto him a messianic title. Lord, son of David. Messiah had always been prophesied that he would be a descendant of King David. And Jesus was. Actually on both sides, even though Joseph was not his biological father, uh, the, the adoptive dad of Jesus... He was a descendant of King David, and Mary, the mother of Jesus, was a descendant of King David by two different sons of King David, but nevertheless, Jesus is the rightful heir as a descendant of David, both biologically and legally, uh, because of Joseph and Mary's ancestry back to King David. And so they ascribed this messianic title to him, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And look at the compassion of the crowd in verse 31. The crowd rebuked them, told them to be quiet. I mean, people who were sitting by a roadside, and this would be typical in this day. I mean, if you are blind, if you have some kind of a physical handicap, you cannot necessarily work, and so you would have been impoverished, and so you're sitting by the gate typically as people come and go. In this case, Jesus and his disciples are leaving, and so no doubt they're sitting here at the city gate, and they're begging. That's the only way they could survive. They're begging for money. But when Jesus comes around, they don't ask him for money. They ask him for sight. They, they have something more important. They want to be able to see. Now, the crowds, because they see them as common beggars, they don't want Jesus to be bothered. And so they just start getting upset with them. And they rebuked them, told them to be quiet. But don't you love the persistence of these guys? Because they shout, the Bible says, all the louder. And they say, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped and called them, the Bible says here. So perhaps some people then brought these guys to Jesus. And Jesus asks them, what is it that you want me to do for you? Now, Jesus obviously could have known and would have known. uh, But this was an exercise on their behalf. And it is a question that Jesus continues to ask us. What do, you want, what do you want the Lord to do for you? What do you want the Lord to do for you? And these guys said, Lord, we want our sight. And he had compassion on them, the Bible says, and he touched their eyes, and immediately they received their sight, and they followed him. Now, they were physically blind, and yet Jesus touches them and heals them, and they receive physical sight. We're going to move here now into the 21st chapter, and you're going to see Jesus encountering people who have physical sight, but they're spiritually blind. And to be spiritually blind is far worse than to be physically blind. But we're going to see some people here who should have been able to see and know and recognize that Jesus is Messiah. You have guys who don't have physical sight, and yet they know he's Messiah. And they believe, and they cry out to him, and they receive And you have people who have physical sight that we're going to read about here in a little bit. And they don't believe because they can't see. They're spiritually blind. And so into chapter 21 starts the triumphal entry. So now we're heading into this final week of Jesus' life, his earthly ministry. And he's making this what is commonly called the triumphal entry. This is going to be also referred to as, in our common day, as Palm Sunday. This is going to be the, the day that he comes into Jerusalem for the final time. 
There are three different Passover feasts recorded in the Gospels that Jesus participated in. That's how we know that his public ministry spanned roughly three years, three and a half years. This is going to be the last Passover meal that he shares. This is going to be the last time he comes into Jerusalem. He's going to be crucified here. And it says here in chapter 21 that as they approached Jerusalem and came to Bethphage on the Mount of Olives, Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go to the village ahead of you, and at once you will find a donkey tied there with her colt by her. Untie them and bring them to me. If anyone says anything to you, tell him that the Lord needs them, and he will send them right away. Now, Bethphage, or Bethphage, however you want to pronounce it, is uh, located here, it says, on the Mount of Olives. Mount of Olives is a crest of hills that are just east of the uh, old city of Jerusalem, separated by the Kidron Valley. And so you could, you know, you can walk to the Mount of Olives uh, quickly, and, and even to the uppermost part and the, and the other side of the Mount of Olives, only about three-quarters of a mile. And apparently this particular village... Uh, was located there somewhere on the Mount of Olives. Today, uh, we can only guess where it's located, uh, but that's the place where Jesus was coming from as he makes his way Jerusalem. Uh, sorry, Jericho up to Jerusalem, and he's coming the crest. He's coming over the crest of the Mount of Olives into the temple area, crossing the Kidron Valley. And as he comes to the peak here, the Mount of Olives, you can overlook the city of Jerusalem. And it is here that Jesus instructs his disciples. Go to the village ahead of you here at Bethphage, and at once you're going to find a donkey and a little colt, and bring them both to me. And I'm and I'm going to and this is going to be a fulfillment of Zechariah nine nine. And Matthew connects the dots for us, and he tells us that in the following verses, verses four and five. Matthew again, he's Jewish, and he's writing predominantly to a Jewish audience. He says this took place to fulfill what was spoken through the prophet. Say to the daughter of Zion, see your king comes to you, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Zechariah 9 9 is what the prophets predicted hundreds of years before Messiah came. Matthew says this is yet another way that Jesus fulfilled the Old Testament prophets. He's going to come into Jerusalem riding on a donkey. It's going to be a sign of humility, a sign of surrender. Now bear in mind that Revelation says when he comes again, he's going to be riding a white horse. That is a sign of victory and triumph. But the first time he comes into Jerusalem, it's on a donkey. It's a picture of a humble servant, a sacrificial servant. Here comes the king humbling himself, riding on a donkey, a beast of burden. And Jesus says to his disciples, I want you to just go over to the next village here, and you're going to find a donkey and a little colt. I want you to just take them both. And if anybody asks you, just say, well, the Lord needs it. That's going to be your response. Now, you know, can you imagine being one of those disciples? You're going to go steal a donkey and a colt. Somebody owns it. And Jesus just says, here's what you're going to do. If somebody asks you, just say, well, the Lord needs it. And then God's already prepared the hearts and minds of those people, and they're going to part with their donkey without a problem. But, you know, if you try to translate this today, and, you know, if, if Jesus came today, and in today's, he's, he's going to tell you, hey, look, there's, there's a Ram 150, uh, uh, there's an F-150 parked over there across the street. I want you to go, you know, just pull out the wires underneath, and I want you to just kind of spark it together, and I want you to just drive off with it. And if anybody says, hey, what are you doing with my truck, just say, hey, the Lord needs it. I can you imagine you're trying to hotwire the car underneath, the, you know, and you're just trying to, you know, do this, and somebody interrupts you and says, what in the world are you doing? You're stealing my car. Now, this is what's happening here. They're instructed to go and just take it. And God's already worked out and prepared their hearts, and I want you to bring it to me, and this is what they do. And so it says that the disciples went, verse 6, 
and did as Jesus had instructed them. They brought the donkey and the colt, placed their cloaks on them, and Jesus sat on them. A very large crowd spread their cloaks on the road, while others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. Now, John's gospel specifically says these were palm branches. These were the palm fronds. These were the cut off the palm trees and laid out in the road and used also to, to hail the king. And that's why this is traditionally called Palm Sunday. So every year, the Sunday before Easter, we, we uh, talk about Palm Sunday. This is this event right here. Jesus coming now into Jerusalem. The crowds went ahead of him, it says in verse 9, and those that followed, they're shouting. Now listen to what they shout, because it's right out of Psalm 118, verse 26. They shout, Hosanna, which translates in Hebrew, save now, save us now. Hosanna to the Son of David. It's a Messianic title again. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's also a Messianic phrase. Hosanna in the highest. This crowd is excited that Jesus is coming into Jerusalem. They see him and recognize him as Messiah. They are ascribing unto him Messianic titles, quoting right out of Psalm 118, You are the Son of David, and blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's why this is such a tragic scene when you think that in just a few short days, the same people, in effect, are going to be crying out, crucify. So how can, how can people in just a few short days go from, he's Messiah, he's the son of David, to we don't know who he is and we just want him dead. It just shows you human nature and the persuasion of the heart and how people can be fickle when it isn't what they have expected. You see what the people are expecting here? They want a Messiah who's going to deliver them from Rome. They want a king who's coming into Jerusalem that they think is going to deliver them from the heavy hand of the oppression of the Roman Empire. You are now our Messiah and our king. And they had in their mind the idea that Messiah was this earthly king who was going to come and take over the earth and rule and reign, which Messiah will do. But that's his second coming. His first coming was to die on a cross and, and spill his blood for the, for the salvation of all who would believe. That was the first coming of Jesus. Second coming will be to establish his rule and reign on earth for a thousand years. And then there's a new heaven and new earth after that. And we will be with him forever and ever. Not his first coming. And if you talk to Jews today in Israel who do not believe that Jesus was, was and is Messiah, they are still looking for an earthly king. They are still looking for an earthly Messiah. They are still hoping for a charismatic global leader who will come and reestablish the sacrifices and give orders for the temple to be rebuilt. And they're looking for a peace accord that will accomplish that so that once again on the Temple Mount, where there's not been a temple since A.D. 70, when it was destroyed by Emperor Titus Vespasian and the Roman Empire, they are hoping again one day for that temple to be rebuilt. And the tragedy is that the Bible says that that temple will be rebuilt. But it will be rebuilt by Antichrist. And he will offer a covenant of peace, Daniel tells us, for a seven-year period with the Jews. And in the middle of the seven years and three and a half years into it, the Antichrist will reveal himself for who he truly is. And he will set himself up in the temple to be worshipped. And it will be then that many eyes will be opened to realize that they've been duped. 
And so when you think about the events that are going to collide that the Bible says are yet to occur prophetically with the return of Jesus and before his second coming, the advent of Antichrist and him coming onto the world scene and peace accords and, and all of this stuff and the temple rebuilt, when you think about all this converging, you need to be praying for the Jewish people in particular because they are awaiting a Messiah, those who don't believe that Jesus was and is, and and the deception will be when Antichrist comes that they will think that he is Messiah. So, you know, it should cause us to pray and it should cause us to, you know, share the good news of who Jesus is. Uh, but here they are saying, well, this is Messiah, this is son of David, but when Jesus doesn't end up setting up his kingdom and they see him, you know, weak in their eyes and flogged, well, why don't we just crucify him? Obviously, he's not the one who's come to be all-powerful to save us from the dominion of the Roman Empire. That's how people will move. They'll spin on a dime from Hosanna, the son of David, to crucify him and give us Barabbas. We'll see that unfolding here as we make our way through the last few chapters of Matthew. But this is what they ascribe unto him. Son of David, blessed is you who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Save us now. Hosanna. And when Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, Who is this? The crowds answered, This is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. See, that's only partly right. I mean, he certainly was a prophet, but he was much more than that. He's God in flesh. He's Messiah. And so one of the first things here that Jesus does, verse 12, Jesus entered the temple area and drove out all who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers and the benches of those selling doves. It is written, he said to them, my house will be called a house of prayer, but you are making it a den of robbers. Now, all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, record this scene about Jesus overturning the uh, money, uh, the, the tables of the money changers and uh, driving out the, um, those who were uh, buying and selling here. Uh, all four Gospels record it. Matthew, Mark, and Luke put it at the end of Jesus' ministry. This is the last week of his public ministry. The Gospel of John puts it at the beginning of of his public ministry at the first of the three Passovers. Now, I once read an article in Newsweek or Time, I don't remember which, uh, that talked about, see, this is an example of, you know, the contradiction in the Bible because John says it happened at the beginning of his ministry and the other three say it happened at the end of his ministry. And people look at that kind of thing and think, yeah, see, that's a contradiction of the Bible and that's why I don't like the Bible and it's not true and it's not reliable. Hey, news bulletin. These are Gospels so that we get the whole story. Why do you think that God knew that we needed to hear it four different times in four different ways and four different angles? Because he wanted the sum total of the story to be reflected in his broadest sense. The answer is, Jesus did this twice. He did it at the beginning of his ministry, as what John's Gospel tells us, and he did it at the end of his ministry, that's what Matthew, Mark, and Luke tell us. It's not a contradiction. It folds together to complement each other. So you take all four Gospels together, it tells us that Jesus did this twice. In John's Gospel, in chapter 2, it tells us that when he did it at the beginning of his public ministry, that Jesus braided a whip. I love that, because I envision Jesus just, you know, he goes into there, and he doesn't just fly off the handle, okay? He doesn't just lose it. He actually stands there, gets three long pieces of leather, the Bible says, and he braids it. 
And I just had this picture of Jesus with three long pieces of leather, and he gets somebody else on the other end. Can you just hold that? Just hold it real tight. Just real hold it. Real. What are we going to do? I'm just going to braid this. We're just going to braid this for a little while. I'm just going to braid this. How you doing? Thanks for joining Pastor Gary today for this study in the Gospel of Matthew on Cornerstone Connection. If you'd like to hear this teaching again or explore additional messages, visit cornerstoneconnection.cc and click on Teachings. You can download our mobile app, too, while you're there. It's under On The Go. Do you live in or near Leesburg, Virginia? If so, we want to invite you to join us for church at Cornerstone Chapel. We're meeting each Sunday in person at 8.30 and 11.45, as well as on Wednesdays at 7 p.m. CornerstoneConnection.cc is the place to get all the information you need, along with directions to our campus. You can also see what's going on during the week and what Cornerstone Chapel offers in the way of small groups, youth ministry, and more. And you can meet the staff. If you're not able to join us in person right now, that's okay. We're live streaming each Sunday and Wednesday service at cornerstoneconnection.cc. If you have any questions for us, or if you'd like to share a prayer request, please connect with us at prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. That's prayer at cornerstonechapel.net. Well, that's all we have time for today. Thanks for joining us to study Matthew, and we hope you'll tune in again to learn more about Jesus. That's right here on Cornerstone Connection. They say you're a wandering soul That you've got no place to go But still you know